Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Ship It and Sip It. We're in the studio early on Friday morning because our guests are far away in Bali and it's already Friday afternoon there. Welcome to the show, Lubov Dementuk. She is a co-founder of the Mustard app and she's the managing director at Paralect. Lubov, how are you today? Um, fantastic, I would say. And yeah, hi everyone. <laughs> That's great to hear. Let's start off with some news. Uh, one of our longtime founders and partners, Michael Brooks, was recently on the Voice of Fintech podcast where he described his journey as an entrepreneur, uh, what he thinks about the future of remote work and using freelancers to supplement your team or create a whole team out of freelancers. It's very insightful and I recommend that everyone go watch it. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. Now, on to our guest, Lubov. Uh, I guess first tell us a little bit about why you are where you are in Bali. Uh, what was sort of the criteria you, you went through to decide that Bali was a place to call home for a long period of time? Uh, well, you know what, this is basically a really interesting question because um, I don't know, it just happened, it just matched, that's it. Like I remember uh, before I moved here, I was in Bali just vacationing three times or something. But I do remember the first time when I got here and the first few steps I made when I was like, you know, going into the airport and the, the heat and the tropical air and everything that is just like, you know, um, at some point it makes you feel a little bit crazy because like it's different type of air, uh, of air. And the smell of all these incense and everything, but it felt like home from the first step. And I even didn't see anything like, I didn't go to the beach, I didn't go to the waterfalls, I didn't see mountains, like nothing. It was just the airport. But once I got there, I was just like, okay, now it's time to think how we're going to move here. And yeah, it took me like two years or something to settle down the things in my life, to change something. Well, basically, I changed my life completely, let's be honest. Uh, but yeah, it took some time to actually uh, make it happen. And here I'm already like more than one year and a half. It's almost like two years. Um, so yeah, I can say that it's going amazing, like really amazing. All right, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been quite a while already and it's, you have sort of become a, a magnet to Bali for a lot of our, our team members. Uh, maybe Bali was already on the list, but um, a lot of people have from Paralect have spent some time there, some months, some weeks. Uh, and they're more going and more planning to go. Uh, what advice would you give to them for people who are maybe on the fence about Bali or any specific things to prepare for? Um, well, I think that uh, it depends actually if you are moving to a new place or you're just like traveling and you're planning to live for a couple of months and enjoy the life there, discover the life there and everything, have an amazing experience. Well, if you are moving to a new place, um, like I would say that um, I have a little bit different maybe mindset 
in regards to moving to a new place because um, for me it's like you know when you work in the company and if you don't like the company you're changing the company so I think about moving to a new place in this uh, from from this perspective um, because like when you when you go to the new country um, it's not only like you are enjoying I don't know nature uh, weather like food whatever but it's also amazing that you meet different people and you meet people who live there and you like getting to know their culture um, their traditions their religion like everything that is about life you know but you also meet different people who moved there and it's so interesting to hear all these stories so I find this part very exciting and very inspiring because when you like hear all the stories, when you talk to different people, it's it's like really amazing, and it also like help you to um, to think like in a different way. It's like you know before that you were at some box, and when you hear all the stories, the box started disappearing. You actually understand that you have so many like opportunities, challenges, experiences, like everything. Um, as an advice or something, uh, I don't think that this is advice because, like, at the end of the day, everyone decides, like, on their end if you want if they want to move somewhere or no. But I would say, like, a tips: um, don't think about like experience of moving somewhere from this, you know, boring part of preparing papers, finding the apartment like uh, finding, I don't know, hospitals, whatever, just like you, you're going to make it. That's it. Like it's going to be easy. You, you will manage it. You will find a way like it's nothing so complicated. And I think that maybe it's one of the reasons that basically stops people for from like, you know, moving to new places because, you know, it, it, it really takes some time to set up your life in a way like you used in your country but if you um, see it not, not, not as uh, something complicated and like something that actually wastes your time but it's like more experience and it's something that you're going to discover I believe it will make it easier Definitely and I totally agree uh, with Pretty much all of that. Having moved around the world and relocated a few times, um, yes, it can. The challenges can feel like a burden, but I totally agree that the opportunities you find when you get to a new place uh, are just new, different, um, and they open new doors for you, your work, your future, your family, your relationships, really everything. So, I, a lot of our teammates are moving to new places for many reasons at the moment. And uh, it's really cool, at least in my opinion, that there's sort of a, a welcoming community already in some of the coolest places, like Bali, like Portugal, we have some people. Uh, so that is actually my first piece of advice when people ask me about my experience uh, moving or relocating for a long time in a new place. I always say, try to go somewhere where you have at least a couple people. You, 
because it just makes it so much easier. If you have someone that's already there, knows the situation, uh, knows sort of helps you navigate those initial challenges, uh, it's really much, much easier. Yeah, like, you know, but it, um, I think, yes, uh, at some point it, it, it can make the, like, the whole process easier. Uh, but I don't think that this is something that should stop you because, like, I moved here by myself alone and everything. And um, it was amazing. Like, yeah, it was challenging at some points, but also like in different countries, there are so many expats, there are so many different people who already moved there. And basically, usually um, in every country like this, you have the community of expats who is also like, I don't know, wondering about how you're gonna get your visa. Uh, where is the best hospital, uh, where can rent a car or apartment or whatever. Uh, so this is like one part. And another part, you know what, it, it actually just pops up in my head that um, maybe as an advice before moving to a new country, uh, try to live there. Not just like spend your vacation, like for two weeks or something, but really try to live there like if it's possible stay there for one month just to to like you know to see how it's going and how how you feel there and if if it really fits your needs and everything so maybe this is like it's actually interesting that during the conversation i realized that but this is maybe something that really helped me going forward uh realize that yeah i want to I want to spend some time, I don't know how much time, but I want to really live there and I'm going to stay there for, for a while. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just glad that uh, remote work sort of became more of a norm, especially at Parallax, so that this opportunity is open for everyone yeah. that we work with at least. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your role at Parallax because um, as we said when we were discussing this interview, uh, a lot of people might not know too much about what you do. You sort of uh, tend, at least in my opinion, you tend to uh, work a little bit behind the scenes um, within the company, but you've been here since uh, 2020, summer, and nearly two years now. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that and what are your... your main responsibilities with Parallact and give us, give our teammates a, a chance to get to know you a little bit. Okay, uh, well, the first thing I should mention that my plus video uh, is still uh, like being cooked by Nikita and video team. <laughs> it's probably uh, gonna be like, you know, the latest stuff that you're gonna get, but it's on the way, it's on the way. Um, well, it's actually interesting how my story with the Parallax started. So I'm going to start from that part uh, because maybe it's going to give some like, you know, explanation why it's happening in this way, for example. Um, well, yeah, back to 2020, COVID time, it just arrived. Everybody was like, uh, we are not allowed to say F word, right? So everybody was just like, wow, what's happening? And um, yeah, at that time I was working at multiple projects as a product manager. 
Um, and at some point when we finished our part with the designing, scoping and everything, we were looking for like, I don't know, for a cool technical partner who can basically deliver the product in a good quality. Um, and then um, I got the reference from the um, from the man with who we were working before, and uh, that's basically how I texted Dmitri on WhatsApp and said like, "Hey, what's up? I have a project. Maybe we can like catch up and discuss if it's something that is interesting for you, and so on." Uh, but you know Dmitri, right? So he's like, yeah, okay, project cool and whatever, but like, can you tell me what are you actually doing? Like, what is your experience and what you're currently doing and, and stuff like this. So yeah, we talked, I told him about my experience, that I was head of design, that I was head of project management, um, that I was working in different startups and different roles. And then he was like, okay, so maybe let's work together. And in that moment, uh, basically we co-founded Mustard. So I was pretty much deeply involved in all, all, all the stages that was happening. So that wasn't right time to like, you know, to leave Mustard up and basically move to Perlect. And we agreed that I gonna be, um, working with Paralect on part-time basis uh, as a non-executive director. What it means, it means uh, mostly consulting, it means mostly like providing some guidance, recommendations, reviewing things, uh, finding weak points or finding like great points about the company and everything. And yeah, mostly like we were working together with Dmitry and uh, then in a while I just started to know different people from the company because like, you know, when you work with something, you, you cannot just like communicate with, my, with one person, even though Dmitry is amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then like um, I was getting more involved, I would say in different, um, in different processes in the company, I would say on different levels, but mostly it was like C-level tasks, like everything that is about planning, everything that is, uh, that is about like, um, I don't know, global processes in the company, like budgeting, KPIs and everything. Or like building new departments, for example, marketing department, like business development department and, and, and etc. Um, yeah, and it was like that maybe for one year or something, I don't remember exactly. Um, and then um, it was October 2021, as far as I remember. Um, and we had an internal discussion with the master team in order to understand like, how we can move forward faster and how we can be more productive. And I just know it just happened and Dmitry was just like, ah, oh, come on, Luba, just like make a decision. Let's work together. You, we, we really need you on full time. That's it. Like, I don't buy any more that you don't have time and everything. Just like, come on. Um, and yeah, then, then we agreed that I uh, basically started working on a full time. And uh, yeah, this is basically how I got in the place where I currently am. And again, just to sum up, it was a little bit like too much, but um, 
currently what I am responsible for, um, it's again everything that is about, like actually it's as simple as that. What you need to do in order to run the company. Like there are so many responsibilities, there are so many tasks, there are so many, I don't know, different challenges, whatever. Um, I don't want to say that I do it by myself, like just to be clear, because like we have the team who is basically helping a lot. And of course we have like different responsibilities. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's something like that. Because at some point I was trying to like list my responsibilities, but then I understand that list never ends because like, again, what do you need to do in order to run the company? So many things, yeah. like huge amount yeah. of things. <clears throat> awesome. All right, well, let's, let's jump back in time then a little bit and talk about Mustard because I think it's a really interesting experience that you had and it will be valuable for other founders that we work with, that we work with in the future to understand that we have people on our team that have been in their shoes and seen some of the challenges that they're facing. So Mustard is a, a video app similar to TikTok uh, that's focused on foodies, uh, food content creators, right? And you were the co-founder there. Uh, let's go back to the initial idea of the app because uh, we, we do spend a lot of time talking about product discovery. So I want to focus a little bit on that stage of Mustard with your team. Um, what was the initial idea and how did sort of the founding team form around this vision for Mustard? All right. Uh, basically, the idea of Mustard, um, well, it's, it, it was really a challenging uh, process. Um, so, um, Initially, like basically uh, the idea is the same as we had back then, like two years ago. But like when, when, I, when I tell idea, it means that um, it's too wide. Like, you know, idea, is, this is something really big and huge anyway. But um, what is more important that we had some hiccups when we were like scoping the MVP. Because again, the, this is like the, the market of food delivery, food discovery, food ordering and everything. And there are so many like already famous companies who are leaders on the market, like DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, whatever. Like there are so many competitors. And uh, that was basically the challenge because we understood that uh, usually how people say when they say about MVP, uh, try like develop the most valuable features deliver it to the market, see how it goes, talk to your users, then polish, upgrade, release new features, and it's going to be fine. In our case, it was a little bit challenging uh, to, to scope really like, you know, just the, the most important features because um, in our case, we had some features that are completely new way of discovering and ordering food. So basically we created that from scratch and this is something that is like nobody ever tried to do this. And another part of features was just um, operational part, I would say. I mean, choosing how you're gonna get your food, uh, tracking your order, 
like leaving the feedback and like payment methods, whatever. And this, that was a tricky moment because we understood that we cannot cut that part because um, all the users, they already got used to this. And for them, if we cut this, it means that the value can be not like, you know, fully delivered for the users. And that was a really tricky moment. We were always like, you know, viewing, checking and everything. Uh, but thanks to our development team and um, chief technology officer, uh, that basically was, uh, I don't know, cool that they found the way how we can build it and we can deliver it. Um, that was like the first moment when we just like, you know, we're trying to deliver the, the, the first version of the product. Of course, uh, we also had a case where it was, um, you know, like uh, um, I've met so many startups who are always uh, struggling with understanding what is more valuable because like when you're building the product, you want to like make the experience of users amazing and you want to add so many little details, features that are going to help users on the way. And that was also the tricky moment to understand like, okay, this one, it's not so valuable, so we're gonna like edit later. Um, so this is, was like one, one of the parts when it was really challenging. And another part was challenging when we actually um, were talking with our users. Um, and it also was like really I don't know, we just again got somewhere when we got a lot of feedback and of course it was positive feedback, but there were so many like, I don't know, uh, different ideas from different people where they were saying, okay, if you add this one, I'm going to be using your app like for sure. This is like the only thing I'm going to use, like I don't need any DoorDash, Postmates, whatever. And since we did a user interview with uh, like 40 or 50 people, there were so many things. And th that was the second moment when it was just like, wow, okay, so what's we gonna do with this? Um, yeah, but like, again, this is the process of always discussing, prioritizing, understanding the value, understanding the resources, how, how much time it's gonna take to develop and everything. It's like some type of going always like back and forth. But like, I believe this is just some part of product development. Okay. All right. There's a lot that I actually want to dig in that you covered there. I want to dig into some of the key moments though. Um, on your founding team, you had three co-founders and then pretty quickly added a CEO from what you told me. So you have four people trying to establish the scope of the MVP and also uh, deal with these incoming ideas from uh, different users. Uh, what did you learn from that process? I guess we work with a lot of solo entrepreneurs or either, you know, co-founding teams. Was sort of four chefs too many to have in the kitchen? Or would you do that again? Or, or what was your takeaway from that? Um, well, I would say that, um, well, the first thing that... Uh, four co-founders, but each of us, we had our own expertise. 
meaning that it helped us to basically understand who is responsible for what and who is running what. And I do believe that this is, was something that made us special because like I know so many cases when, for example, someone has the idea, but they are looking for, for example, chief technology officer uh, as a co-founder, or they're looking for chief marketing officer as a co-founder. So in our case, it was like combo. We had um, one of the co-founders was a chief technology officer. So he was covering all the technical side. Um, another one was, um, he, he has an amazing experience in terms of building uh, startups, raising money and everything. And he's a serial entrepreneur. So he was more about strategy. He was helping with the investments, funding and overall like, you know, direction. Uh, Chief Executive Officer Diana, she had an amazing experience as a producer. She was um, doing films and movies and stuff for like Netflix, BBC, and etc. So she she has a great expertise in like video content and how it works and everything. And she was also foodie, and that was amazing because like basically this is our target audience. And my expertise was product and design, uh, so it was like you know amazing match. Uh, of course, uh, since we. Um, all four people, um, we were already on the leading positions and we were already like, you know, people who, who have this leadership spirit. Of course, we had the cases where we were just like, you know, arguing with each other and fighting and saying like, no, 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 we're going to do this way. No, 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 if we do this way, we're going to fail. But um, again, I believe communication is everything. And this is uh, what helped us uh, to move forward. And uh, we just agreed who's gonna be responsible for that questions. We agreed who's gonna be decision maker, uh, decision maker in this type of questions. Of course, everybody is welcome to like tell the opinion, to share pros and cons and everything. This is like the part of any team that you work with. But that helped us to like, you know, a little bit to go away from that, like, you know, never ending discussions and like always sharing and saying like, no, 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 it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then the second part, like I would say when we were at the place where we um, like couldn't make an agreement, we just talked to our users. Um, and that's that's it it's that simply simple as as it is super uh i want to have one more question around the sort of mvp and feature scope yeah. before we move on to go to market uh at parallax uh both with our venture studio and with the accelerator the goal is always to launch mvps as quickly as possible so I'm trying to imagine a situation where we have a founder or a founding team that we partner with, they come to us and they're in a similar situation as you guys were with Mustard. You have a lot of ideas, 
you're going up against competition that basically requires you to have a certain feature set functional before adding your own like super special uh, differentiating feature. Uh, what does Parallect or what does our team do to sort of help in that situation? How can we help founders move this process along quicker? Yush, what a question, John. Um, you mean what we can do as, as Parallect or it's kind of advice that we can give to the founders? Uh, I would say if these founders are working with us and we're in the product discovery phase and they've got this back and forth about the features that they want and they can't sort of decide, how can we as sort of as, as their technical partner, uh, we've got the BA team, we've got the PDMs we, that are partnered with them, that are working with them to find this uh, happy medium, happy middle ground so that we can launch quicker. Yush, okay, got it. Uh, so I believe the, the key to, um, to the success here, if someone is in the place where they're struggling with understanding the MVP, <clears throat> I would say, uh, like, first of all, you need to um, you need to talk to your users and uh, the most essential part this is um, to to ask them right questions um, because like I don't believe in the questions like uh, will you use our app ever of course you're gonna get the answer yes let's be honest okay um, but just like, I don't know, give some freedom to users um, to check your product and think twice or even three times or four times about the questions that you're going to ask. It's not that simple, uh, even though like everybody is always telling like the, the success to the secret is user interviews. I would rather say that the success to the so the, the, the secret to the success is to ask the right questions. Um, and yeah, I, I've been so many times in a place where like, you know, we were asking like so basic questions and then we got the results like based on the interviews. But then when we are launching something, the feedback is completely different. And we were just like, why? Like, but we did user interview. So, yeah, just to sum up, talk to your users. And uh, the, the second part, this is basically ask the right questions. And this is basically great that uh, here in Parallact, we um, paying attention and overall attitude to work is, uh, um, we, we, we're always trying to do our best in terms of helping entrepreneurs because, again, uh, even though that someone can be a serial entrepreneur or something, when you're building your business, you're also going to face with different hiccups, challenges and everything. So it's really cool that we are developing like product expertise and what I was 
talent before previously. This is like part of product expertise. And it's really great that we are developing like, you know, advisors board uh, when we are developing accelerator and whatever. I do believe that this is also help us and our guys, our teams to think from the perspective of like business owners, you know, and this is completely different like mindset. I don't know if like uh, I managed to answer your question. Uh, if not, feel free to ask another one. But yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, and I'll, the only thing I would add there is uh, we just released a blog post about uh, product market research that covers some of the questions and the interview tactics that people should use when they're doing research pre-launch. And we have an example of user interviews that we went through with one of our product lab products. So check that out on blog.parallel.com. It's there now for some ideas. All right, uh, let's briefly touch on the go-to-market process for Mustard because that's another very important thing once you've got the scope of your MVP figured out, uh, especially for a consumer app that's going up against things like you mentioned, DoorDash, but also going up against things like TikTok and Instagram Reels and things like that. So. Um, how did you sort of narrow down the right size for your target market to launch initially? Mm -hmm. um, well, like I got to be honest here, uh, what helped us a lot, this is the previous experience of our uh, one of the co-founders. Uh, he went through the program of uh, Y Combinator so he was sharing like really good insights and at the beginning when like we were scoping the mvp and everything of course we were focused not only on mvp but we also were thinking like okay how are we gonna launch where uh like how are we gonna get our like first users and uh, yeah there was a moment when we were just like okay we can launch it on so many markets and just see how it goes and everything but the point is that I believe for the MVP, when you're launching it, it's better to keep the audience like pretty much small, I would say. Um, why like that? Because first of all, um, you will have the opportunity and like you, could, you can basically work with this audience like really close. You can get the insights, you can see how they use the product. You can see like, do they like it or not? What features they use more and more? Um, so it's kind of like, even though like, you know, it's actually funny because I've seen so many startups who are, you know, adding to their pitch deck that the, the market is huge. We can launch, we can get so many users and everything. Okay, cool, but stop it. Let's think about basically the market, how you're going to do this. Of course, we, we have the entire world. We have so many countries. But uh, I think that this is just like how interest industry changes. Now it's better to narrow down your audience, understand where you're going to launch, to check your idea of the startup on this market. And if you see that it works, 
because like it's also it's not a simple process that you are just launching, getting the feedback and blah blah blah. You, sometimes you can need completely the vision of your product. Um, so it's better to do it without one audience instead of like you know launching and trying to to to, to conquer the world and everything with your app. And this is what actually helped us, and we were focusing on LA market, uh, Los Angeles. So that was the first city we decided to, to like basically launch the app and see how it goes and get the feedback and discover how users use the app and everything. And yeah, this is basically when we, when we got to the point that we understood that, okay, we're gonna launch just on this market, our ambitions are great. It's great that we're gonna like be, I don't know, popular everywhere, but it's better for the business and it's better for the app to launch just in one market. Super, well, it makes sense. And Los Angeles has an amazing amount of fantastic food. And I'm sure it has a lot of people creating video content around it. So on the off chance that any of you are listening in or watching from LA, check out Mustard App if you love food and videos. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, your co-founder who came from Y Combinator because this is sort of recent news. I don't know if you read yesterday or last week. When this comes out, it'll be last week. Y Combinator wrote uh, a letter to all their startup founders that basically said, get ready for an economic turndown, uh, downturn. Uh, venture fundraising is going to get a lot harder in the next X amount of time. We're not sure how long that'll be, um, but prepare for basically the worst. <laughs> uh, so this doesn't just affect obviously Y Combinator startups, this affects the whole startup ecosystem globally. Um, I guess it's a big question, but uh, if you were a founder, it, uh, what advice, what steps do you think you'd be taking to sort of prepare for this? And you can skip this question if you don't want <laughs> to answer it. Well, um, I do believe that this is basically something that um, every founder or founder of the startup should think about this is called the, like risk management and of course mm -hmm. when you face the um, I would say unusual challenges um, it's kind of always stressful because if you face with this for the first time you don't you, like you don't have previous experience in uh, like you know solving these kind of issues um, but I would say as an advice maybe, um, first of all, to, to analyze you know, like your uh, business model, your cash flow, your revenue, everything that is about money, just to understand in what condition currently your company is. And if something happens, like what resources you as a company have. Um, and the second, uh, to think about worst scenarios and what you're going to do as a company. It's always great to have the plan uh, before you face with something. 
even though sometimes the reality can turn out like completely different and you couldn't even imagine that it's going to happen. But it's like, you know, maybe it's some psychological thing or something when you already were thinking about different options and everything. First of all, before preparing these plans, you analyze so many things about your company and you're just like, you know, kind of doing a step back and trying to understand all the big picture that is happening currently. So, yeah, it's like as simple as that, I believe. Um, just to, just to, I don't know, try to create the, the, the worst scenarios. And it's actually this like kind of exercise helps companies to understand their weak points. Because like when you are preparing for the worst, you can understand like what weak points in your company. And this is like a gross points for you. Um, so sure. yeah. Super advice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, as always. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about your transition away from being active with the Mustard app and joining uh, Parallact. I'm curious uh, why you stepped away from, from an active role there. You mentioned a little bit before about how you were part-time here, part-time there, etc. But you know, you, you read stories about founders who, they, they, they become a founder of a startup and they say things like, I'm never going back to a regular company job. And not to say that Paralect is a regular company job or anything like that, but you get this sense that once you, you get to that founder level, sort of anything different wouldn't be sort of, I don't know, uh, enjoyable or satisfying to them anymore. So uh, tell us uh, about your case and why you made that transition. Okay, um, well, uh, the, the first thing I should mention, um, I, I don't think from the perspective I work in the company. I work with the company, I partnered with the company. And when you realize that, like, this is basically changing your overall attitude and approach in work. And I do believe that this mindset helped me to build my career pretty much fast. Um, because I never, like, I, I never work based on the, I don't know, responsibilities, requirements or something. Um, it just like the, 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 the mindset, that's it. Um, and uh, so l this is like the, the first part. The second part about like why I made the decision to, um, uh, to leave Mustard and join Parallact. Um, well, the first reason is that um, As a co-founder, I was like already, I was looking at this, not like this is my job, I'm getting the payment there, I'm getting the salary. I was looking at this as a business. And at some point, like when we launched the app and for us it was the step of growth, uh, we as a team understood that we need someone who will be there in Los Angeles and who will be able to, I don't know, go meet people uh, like uh, from restaurants, from different venues and etc. who can handle the offline events over there. 
like there are so many things that like we should do in order to be like you know successful in order to get more users in order to grow and uh, we like understood that we need someone there and that was a moment when we just like I don't know talked in an honest way and like I told guys that come on like for business it's better for you to like hire someone else because again as we co-founded uh, these startups for people but we were doing like work we're not just like you know co-founded heard the team and we were doing nothing no we were, we were just like really hard working and doing this stuff and uh, yeah of course like when you understand that like it's going to be more beneficial for the business if they're going to hire someone over there i was okay with that like i, I just like really my, my only uh, wish is that master gonna be successful gonna be cool and we need to do anything that is required from us as like people who co-founded this startup to do this um, and the second part um, again this is about uh, my overall attitude to like to to work job whatever um, when you think from the perspective of uh, partnership and that you are working with the company, not in the company, you're working with the company, um, I pay attention always to the idea, like overall what people do here, uh, why they do here, and do they believe in this? Are they ambitious or they're just like okay with what they have and all good? And the second, I pay attention to the team. So for me, this is like two main points uh, when I choose the, I don't know, the, the, the next company, the next people I, I'm partnering with. And in Paralect, it, it matched. It just like were two puzzles that were just like bumps. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, I want to dig into that a little bit because the timing is interesting. So as we mentioned, you joined Parallact late spring, early summer in 2020, which was, uh, you know, a very transformational time, to put it uh, positively. For the way we work and the, the pandemic was changing the, the way that the teams function a little bit. Um, it was still very early. We didn't know if that was going to be like the moment of a, a strong economic downturn, but it actually turned out that tech companies uh, did quite well during the pandemic. Um, so what sort of was the opportunity that you saw at Parallax that w was happening at that moment? Um, well, first of all, the direction the, uh, where the company was moving, I would say, uh, I, I would say in this way. Uh, of course, at that uh, moment, we still like didn't have that clear vision about the direction. But I saw so many people who are really passionate about their work and people who are always trying to do more, way more than in just like, you know, written in their job description, whatever. And uh, I understood that with the people like this, you can basically build anything. Like if, if people have this, like, you know, compassion, if, if people are so motivated, if they're so open-minded, if they're always curious, if they have 
goals that sometimes when you hear this, you, you think like, oh my God, how are we going to make it? If it's even, is it even doable? Like, like seriously? Um, so that was the moment like I do, like I did my choice because I saw that way of thinking and I saw that there are so many initiatives in the company that are not like, you know, basic stuff. Um, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons. And um, another part, like based on this, um, I understood that um, even at that moment, I understood that in a few years, we're going to be way bigger than just service company. Uh, because again, when you when you see all this on the table, and when you understand that, you you just I don't know you just understand that the company is not gonna be like this in one year, in two years, in five years, and etc. Yeah, and we are already sort of two years removed from that point, and yes, a lot has uh, sort of changed. Maybe give us a quick sort of vision into where where you see Parallax headed. There's a lot going on, um, what are some highlights for you? Um, I would say that currently our goal is to build the ecosystem where entrepreneurs can get any help that they need. They, they, they need, for example, product advisor, okay, we can help with that. You need help with fundraising, okay, we can help with that. You need um, like reliable tech partner, okay, you're welcome. Uh, you need to, I don't know, understand why you're stuck and why your metrics are not growing, okay, cool. Uh, so for me, it looks like the entire ecosystem that basically help with startups because sometimes it's a little bit challenging to work with different companies um, on all the things that you need in order to build successful startup and it's better like to have one partner that you know that this is reliable I don't know company and you can get any help there and everything so for me now the vision looks exactly like this super and just one moment I want to pause on that the ex, uh, ecosystem idea uh, because I think a couple of days ago um, one of our partners, one of our products, Fluence, Fluency Score, they posted on LinkedIn about one of our other partners, uh, a founder of a real estate web app platform, Smart Alto. They had used Fluency Score to analyze their metrics, see where they were stuck, and sort of grade their progress as a startup. And that, to me, is one of those things where it's, that's one of the key ingredients of the ecosystem idea is not only the, the services that we can provide or the mentorship that we can provide directly, it's also that we have products in our portfolio and our partners have products that can help the other founders within the portfolio. All right, uh, one of the areas that is important for startups around the world and one that I wanted to ask you about because you are a female founder is female founder experience. The data is pretty clear, at least from the reports I've seen, that startups with female women on the founding team or female founders have much higher success rates 
but receive much, much less funding across all markets. So um, what's your experience with that and how do you think we can improve that? I know that here at Parallect, uh, we work with uh, several startups with female founders and they've all been quite successful. So what can we do to make this better? Uh, what can we do in order to make it better? Basically keep doing what we already do. That's it. Uh, again, based on my experience, of course, I faced with the... Um, with the cases when it was challenging to be uh, a woman in a, in a leadership team or something. But uh, maybe it's going to be a little bit like um, rude answer or something. But I simply don't pay attention on this. Like, I do believe that it's not about the gender. I do believe that this is about the uh, skills you have the uh, way how you work, the way how your attitude, I don't know, is built about your um, opportunities and everything. Um, I simply don't pay attention to gender. And when I meet the cases when someone pays attention to this, I simply don't care. That's it. And this is probably can be my tip to any female founder, leader, or whatever. Just keep going, that's it. Um, and I do believe that this is, uh, like, it's not about the, when we are talking about the success, it's not about the gender. It's more about personality, it's more about mindset, it's, uh, again, about skills, uh, about ambitious and everything. And for me, there is no place to pay attention to gender. And there are so many cases that can prove it to any person who is like, you know, thinking in a different way. Um, and again, uh, from the perspective of Parallact, we have so many amazing women in the leadership who already like proved, helped the company to grow. Um, so for me, like, even though, like, yeah, of course, I had the experience and I experienced that. But it's okay. I just keep going. All right. Um, one other area that is new uh, in terms of mentorship for you in Bali, you have joined the Founder Institute Bali. So tell us a little bit about that. Our listeners might be aware or have heard of Founder Institute before. I know a little bit at a high level, uh, but specifically to this regional program that's local to you, um, what is it and what is your role there? Yeah, so basically Founders Institute, this is like uh, one of the largest in the world proven network of um, different experts from different domains. I mean, of course, it's all about building the startups, but still. And basically, uh, they already like represented in so many countries and in so many cities. I don't remember exactly, but you can check their website and like the map of the locations is just like, wow, mind blowing. Uh, my role there will be like a mentor for the startups. And since they're like currently they are launching the program for early stage startups on the stage of idea. 
So basically, we um, like myself as a mentor and other mentors. I'm not the only one there. Uh, yeah. Gonna help uh, entrepreneurs and stop startup founders um, to validate their idea, to understand their next steps, to basically shape uh, idea in order to build successful startup. And currently they are like launching the, um, um, the program in uh, Bali. So um, probably for now I can, can't say you like a lot of details and everything because for me it's going to be like the first experience as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I do believe that uh, maybe in December we can do another one interview and, and I'm going to tell you uh, more about this experience. But yeah, I feel, uh, I feel excited about this because um, I always enter the communities that share their knowledge, that help to grow each other, who support each other. It's like, I do believe that this is really cool and this is really like an essential part of, um, of being an entrepreneur and building basically the business in the startup. Um, so yeah, um, let's see how it goes. For now, it's like, yeah, it's, it's something that I faced for the first time. Of course, I worked with a lot of companies on different stages and everything with different tasks. But in this role specifically, it's going to be like my first experience. So wish me luck. Awesome. Well, good luck. Uh, can you paint us a little bit of a picture of the startup environment in Bali? Is it mostly like digital nomads who are from other places, founders that are living there and uh, launching their startups just because Bali's a beautiful place to live? Or is it like local startups, local people that are building for the Bali market, for the Indonesian market, for the Asian market? What, what sort of mix is there there? Uh, well, for now, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you my understanding that I have for now. Again, later, I, I think I'll have more like deep understanding how it works here. But for now, I, yeah, I, like I should say that there are so many digital nomads who are living in Bali. And this is like pretty much a good environment for like, you know, balancing your work and life. I know so many people who are from different countries, like from Australia, who is building their startup uh, and living here in Bali, from Europe, from United States, from Vietnam, from like, it goes and goes and goes and goes. And the list is really huge. Um, about the local market, uh, for now, um, I, can s I can't say you that I do have like a good understanding of local market, like specifically Bali. I know that uh, this, uh, this market is already like in a good shape in Jakarta. This is like the capital of uh, Indonesia. But about the Bali, I'm really curious about local market. I want to see the entrepreneurs. I want to see how they do things. I want to see uh, the way of their thinking, how they face the challenges. Uh, what kind of ideas do, do, do they have when they like, you know, come to the program and say like, okay, 
help me please to build it. I really want to build it in a like, right way, let's say. So, yeah, again, uh, yeah. there are so many things to discover. Uh, but I think that this is going to be really interesting, really interesting. Awesome. Well, I definitely look forward to doing that follow-up interview in, in December to see what you find out and what the process is like. Uh, I think it's kind of an interesting balance um, for startups in terms of community because uh, the pandemic sort of made us all used to doing everything through digital interfaces. Uh, but at the same time, like regional communities of startups uh, and, and actual face-to-face -face events, for me, are much more engaging. It's much more, I don't know, supportive to see people that you actually know in your city who are working on something uh, and see them just in a day-to-day -day life and get updates on their progress. So uh, how do you sort of balance that? What do you find more exciting is it like building a global startup community around Parallact or is it like let's try and build these uh, cool regions and hubs for startup activities um, hmm okay there are so many eagles you can you can like you know um, um, answer from to this question but I do believe that it's uh, currently like all the people who work in these domains, this is some kind of transformation they're passing through. Because before that, like everybody got used to like, you know, meeting each other face to face, talking and everything. And I do remember that maybe four or three years ago, um, when I had calls with like different uh, partners, clients, etc. Uh, of course, through Google Meet or wherever, it doesn't mean which two. But I do remember that in 90% cases, nobody used the camera. Like nobody. You're basically, we're talking to a black screen with it, like, you know, with a little photo and that's it. That was challenging because again, when you when you are talking to someone, like uh, you need to see the like the reaction, the like overall how 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 the person is like talking to you. It's like I do believe that this is important, but uh, it's a little bit strange to say. But thanks to COVID, uh, these things changed completely. Now it's like part of our lives I would say uh, and that's why I, I do believe that it gives additional opportunity in terms of building the community there are so many tools that you can use um, I don't know from like some chats and everything um, I don't know this list is just yeah. like huge there are so many tools so for me mm -hmm. I see it more beneficial when you build like global community um, then you're building just like local community but the important thing is that um, the goal of this community like why are you building this and I do believe that in different maybe domains and like uh, with different goals um, like it can be different 
For sure. Awesome. Well, that was my last question for you. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Sorry, I should have said this is my last question. <laughs> um, thank you so much. And in terms of community, uh, just to highlight one other thing I saw from social media uh, last week. Uh, our head of business development, Kostya, he is in Estonia, or he was in Estonia for Latitude, uh, Latitude 59, which is a large uh, startup conference and event in Estonia. And in Poland, Elena, our head of marketing, is at the Wolf Summit, was at the Wolf Summit, which is another Eastern European tech startup. So events are sort of slowly coming back. We don't always have to talk to each other through these interfaces, but I'm glad that we got the chance to record this interview with you from sunny Bali. And I hope you have a lovely Friday, a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you so much. It was an uh, interesting experience, I would say. And thank you so All much right. for making it so, so easy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, okay, John, uh, for how long we, we are friends? Okay, let's talk. So thank you so much. Awesome. All right, everyone, have a great weekend. Look forward to talking to Luba again later this year, maybe. And have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi. Today's show is brought to you by one of our partners, Fluent. The team at Fluent has created the Fluency Score, which is a web app that scores your startup across different metrics. It's perfect for founders who want to get a better analytical understanding of the progress they're making with their product. One of our other founders, Hassan Riggs, with Smart Alto, recently used Fluent and he had this to say about the platform. Quote, I knew I was supposed to be building a growth machine, but I didn't actually know how until Fluent, end quote. So head on over to fluencyscore.com and fill out the form that is there with the information about your startup and you can find out how you're doing and how you can improve your product market fit or whatever stage you're at. So have a great day and stay fluent.